Nearly 100 million years ago, a mighty long time ago, the landscape of Western Canada was very different, and so were the creatures that roamed around it, among them dinosaurs, of course, but also giant crocodiles, and I mean big, 9 to 12 meters, 30 or 40 feet long, massive. A recent article in Historical Biology shows evidence, tracks really, left by those big crocs in the Peace region of northeastern BC, tracks made when they scraped the mud-filled bottoms of lakes and rivers with their claws. It is a fascinating discovery and a fascinating story. And joining me to tell us all about it is Guy Plint. He's a professor of geology at the University of Western Ontario in London, Ontario, and one of the authors of that research. Guy Plint, thank you so much for joining us tonight. And joining me now with more on this fascinating story is Guy Plint. He's a professor of geology at the University of Western Ontario, and he's obviously done the research on this. Uh, Professor Plint, this is a really I mean, the headline itself is fascinating, but tell me a bit about, about giant crocodiles roaming what is today's British Columbia. Yeah, indeed, it's, it's, um, it's a remarkable story. It, it began about uh, back in 2002, uh, where some colleagues of mine up in Tumblr Ridge in British Columbia, um, Charles Helm, who was the, the town doctor turned paleontologist, and another colleague of mine, uh, Rich McRae, who used to run the Tumblr Ridge Museum. They were looking at fallen blocks of rock on the roadside um, north of Tumblr Ridge and noticed uh, a number of big dinosaur tracks in these, in these fallen blocks. And over the years, they went back. And as each winter thaw took place, the more blocks would fall down. And it wasn't until about 2017 when they discovered these large scratch marks that looked like some, some claws had been dragged over a, a muddy substrate. And that set them thinking about it. And it was 2017 when I first came to look at this site um, with the specific intent of trying to figure out what was the, the sedimentary environment, as well as the animals that were walking around. So um, I, I spent uh, quite a bit of time over the 2017 and then again in 2021. And um, it's pretty clear that there was a, a very interesting mixture of circumstances. We were looking at some sedimentary rocks laid down on a river floodplain and on the banks of rivers. And it was clear that there were times when animals were walking around, big dinosaurs were tromping around, making their footprints in, in the mud. And then there were other times uh, on very closely uh, associated surfaces, which had these what we call swim tracks. And they were made by an animal swimming over the bottom Every now and again, its claws would touch the bottom and it would scratch and scrape on the bottom as if it was sculling along. And, and about the only thing that does this on this, on this scale are, are large crocodiles. So uh, we came to the conclusion that sometimes this floodplain was flooded, perhaps with seasonal river floods, and the crocs were swimming around. And at other times, the floodplain lakes drained away and dinosaurs were walking around. So it was a very interesting mixture of, of swimming and walking activity. Certainly not the kind of thing a human would want to wander into, but luckily I gather this happened a very long time ago. Yeah, the, the, these sediments are about 97 million years old, deposited during the Upper Cretaceous period. So, um, yeah, at, at that time, we would have to forget the mountains of British Columbia and, and take away all the snow and ice and imagine a climate that was rather temperate, quite wet, uh, and a very low-lying coastal plain with um, rivers carrying sediment from the ancestral Rocky Mountains in the West and dumping it into what we call the Western Interior Seaway, which was this shallow sea that extended from the polar ocean in the north all the way down to the Gulf of Mexico, and all the prairie provinces were flooded. So 
rivers built deltas on the west side of this seaway and, and on those low-lying delta plains, which were heavily vegetated, we had a host of dinosaurs marching around, some eating the vegetation and some eating the other dinosaurs. How much different, I mean, how much different was the, was the topography, was the climate? Back, what would be comparable to now? It would be comparable probably to something in the sort of southern United States, not quite as steamy as, as Florida, perhaps. But we reckon average te- temperatures somewhere in the sort of 15 to 20 degrees range, uh, perhaps a little light frost on a cold winter's night, but no deep snow. Uh, the mountains would have been somewhat further to the west than they are now. So they've been pushed forward the intervening 100 million years. Um, so it would have been a low-lying, featureless landscape. Um, perhaps uh, if you'd gone down on the Mississippi Delta today, uh, you would have similar sort of conditions with waterlogged soils, a lot of swampy vegetation, river channels, lakes, abandoned channels, that kind of thing. And, you know, it's, you, you can find, of course, crocodiles and alligators in the U.S. today. So they're still there. Uh, they've retreated somewhat from northern British Columbia. <laughs> yes, yes, they have. Yes, <laughs> Happily they have. for the inhabitants. <laughs> yes, thankfully. Um, I remember seeing, you know, you remember seeing uh, gators, particularly in Florida and so on. These were massive. I mean, from what I've read, these were very large crocodiles. Yeah, we, we came to that conclusion. Um, my colleagues, um, Charles Helm in Tumblr Ridge and Martin Lockley in the University of Denver, they're, the, they're serious track specialists. I'm, I'm the guy who does the sand and the mud, but um, they found that there's a relationship um, between the spacing between the claws on modern crocodiles and, and, and the basically the bigger they get, there's the spacing between the claws is proportional to the length of the body in, in a general sense. So what we did is we, we measured the spacing between the claw marks that were made in the, in the bottom of this lake and simply plugged that into a, into a kind of a graph that extrapolates the, the length of the, of the total beast. And to our surprise, these things were coming out at a conservative nine meters and, and possibly up to 12 meters, which is about twice the size of a modern saltwater croc, which is the biggest croc around today. So truly fearsome beast. Yeah, I mean that that's it's massive. I gather though that uh crocs of that size have been recorded in the past that this is not unique but could be earlier than some of the other rec- uh recorded gigantism in crocodiles yeah. that we've seen. No, this is absolutely true. In the in the United States and down in Mexico, we have quite a good record of of giant crocodiles, a beast called Dinosuchus, and those are known from rocks uh, are about 84 million years old. And there's a good bone and tooth record for them. As you come north into Canada, the, the body fossils disappear. And it was, you know, I think the discovery that we made was the first instance where we can say with some confidence that we have something like Dinosuchus, probably not the same species, but, you know, kind of grand, granddaddy of a Dinosuchus living much further north and something like 13 million years earlier. So um, one of the problems we have in, in, in sort of northern British Columbia and, and Alberta is that the, the, the fossil record of dinosaur bones and croc bones is not very good. And we think this is because uh, it was a humid climate. There was a lot of vegetation and rotting vegetation produces uh, humic acids in the soil water. So when you bury a bone in, in acidic water, it'll dissolve, you know. So we find very little in the way of, of bone material in these rocks. Um, I've been looking at this unit called the Dunvegan Formation, which is where we find our tracks. And over you know, 35 years working on these rocks, I found hundreds and hundreds of dinosaur tracks, but 
a couple of scrappy bones and that's about it, you know. So they simply don't preserve. Um, down in the southern Alberta around, you know, the Drumheller Tyrrell Museum area, there's fantastic bone preservation. But in the south, the climate was warmer and drier. The soils, the soils were much more alkaline, so the bones don't dissolve. So that accounts for why there's such a, 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 a treasure trove of bones in the Drumheller area and such a scarcity up in northern British Columbia. I'm speaking with Guy Plint, professor of geology at the University of Western Ontario. We're talking about the discovery of tracks uh, made by giant crocodiles uh, up to 12 meters long uh, that would have roamed uh, northeastern BC uh, 97 million years ago during the uh, Cretaceous period, and just what that signifies. So I, I guess there, there is... I mean, there is a novel, some other than the fact that these are massive, massive crocodiles, there is a certain understanding we're developing now of, of how this, what kind of um, species would have coexisted back yeah, then. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the track record here is, is very interesting, despite the fact we have very little bone material. Um, one thing that was very intriguing for me looking at these rocks as a sedimentologist was that... Um, there's clearly evidence that um, the behavior and the type of tracks that the animals were making was, was very dependent on the nature of the substrate. So, for example, we can see in some, some, some muddy lake sediments, there were clearly tracks made by probably ankylosaurs, these big armored dinosaurs with the spikes around the edge and the club on the tail. These were wading around in, in these sediments, making very sort of squishy, ill-defined tracks, you know, just as, you know, kid in Wellington boots tromping around in a muddy puddle. Um, that we find things like roots growing in, in, the, in the mud so that there was probably vegetation growing in these lakes. So we can imagine these ankylosaurs tromping about in the mud feeding. But then we find on top of that layer with the sort of squishy deformation, we find um, other tracks that are very poorly defined. And these were almost certainly made when the lake dried out again, the dinosaurs were marching around on the surface. But those tracks don't really look like dinosaur tracks anymore. They're kind of vague impressions. So what we think happened was that a flood came across the surface and eroded that first generation of tracks. Um, but then we find that the surface must have submerged again because it's on that horizon, in this muddy sediment, that we find these beautiful scratch marks where the swimming crocodiles were kind of pouring and, and sculling across the bottom of a shallow lake. So it drowns again. But the important point is that the the mud had by that time become quite firm. So it, it was a bit like um, uh, Goldilocks and the porridge, you know, that some is too hot and some is too cold and, and some was just right. In this case, we had mud that was not too soft, that it just would make sort of vague impressions. It was not so hard, you couldn't scratch it. It was, it was just right, perhaps the consistency of, of butter or soap or something like that. Well, so the crocodiles were, were, were sculling across the bottom, leaving these scratch marks, which had such detail in them. You can see the individual scale marks from their claws and, and their feet. So we know they were swimming around for a while, but then superimposed on the swimming marks, we find beautiful uh, tracks of ankylosaurs and, and ornithopod dinosaurs, which would have been herbivores, and, and they are overprinted on the dinosaur on the swimming tracks. So uh, again, the mud must have been subaerial, drained dry, but again, not too soft because the, the scales on the bottom of the dinosaur's feet are preserved. We get these little dimply impressions. So there we can have a lake that had crocs in it, then it drained away, then the, 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 the dinosaurs were walking around, and then maybe also the crocodiles. There are some tracks that may also be crocodile walking tracks. And then a river 
nearby started to spew sand out onto the floodplain and buried the tracks in sand, which is good because that's why we see them preserved. Because tracks in mud don't preserve, they have to be buried in sand, sand turns to rock, and then we see the tracks on the bottom of the sand. So we so you, can see. So, you, you can actually still see the scales. You can still Lovely. see the impressions of the scales. It's absolutely incredible. And, and that requires a mud of a just perfect consistency, like plasticine, you know, not too hard, not too soft. This is this. I mean, I would have to say that it would be like it'd be like striking gold in in your situation. Yeah, it's it's geological serendipity. You know, there there must have, the millions of tracks must have been made. You know, and of course, not all are preserved. Most are made and, and are buried or washed away. But in these river floodplains, it's an ideal circumstance because the floodplains beside the rivers would accumulate muddy sediment. But sometimes the rivers would break their banks and they would produce what we call a crevasse splay, where a bunch of sand <clears throat> excuse me, gets washed out onto the floodplain and it buries the mud. And anything that was walking in the mud, leaving tracks, those tracks are then cast. So you imagine around, you know, cows around a water tank, you know, that it's all trampled to death. If you then kind of covered that with plaster of Paris and then peeled it off, you would see all the impressions of the tracks on the bottom of the plaster of Paris. And this is what geology does for us these natural occurrences of flooding makes a, a perfect record of, of what was walking on the mud where are these tracks now or where have we sent these tracks well the, these tracks the, the biggest and, and best some of the blocks weigh 20 tons and um my colleague charles helm uh, in tumbler ridge he was a very persuasive gentleman um talked um, a company la prairie crane into donating a, a crane and an enormous truck and he also got the BC uh, Highway Department to close the road for half a day. <laughs> and they went in there with giant slings and, and hauled up four of these enormous blocks and took them off to Tumbler Ridge. So they're now in the museum at Tumbler Ridge. They're so big and heavy, they didn't put them inside. They'd fall through the floor, I think. But they have them outside and they're covered up with tarpaulins to keep the frost and snow off them. But they're, they're, they're planning to have uh, to build some kind of a, some kind of display case or a facility that would show these things to advantage. But uh, so next time, uh, next they're, in time safe, a, they're in safe hands anyway. I, I, yeah, the next time a British Columbian spots a croc anywhere, I suppose it would be safe to remember that one of its ancestors roamed these very these this very province absolutely. nearly a hundred yes. million years ago. That's right, absolutely. Because they are the same, right? I mean, it's the same. Well, they're, they're, the same, more they're, or less. they're they're not the same species, certainly. Right. But I mean, the the basic the basic body plan of a crocodile is very conservative. They've been around since the Triassic period, well over two hundred million years. And they've obviously figured out a way to survive and they just keep on doing it. I mean, it must have been, we, we're starting to think of, of a dinosaur, sorry, the, the, the crocodiles as being the, the, the top predators. And they would be lurking in these lakes and sloughs and you know, a dinosaur comes down to drink and this beast rears up and grabs it by the nose and drags it down and drowns it. It's really rather horrible. Um, I mean, we do find a very few rare tracks of large uh, theropods, these big sort of a smaller version of T-Rex. Uh, T-Rex hadn't been invented in those days, but there was some cousins of those roaming around, but their tracks are very, very rare. But we suspect that these crocodiles were having a grand old time feasting on unwary dinosaurs. <laughs> so um, it's quite horrible to watch them praying. I mean, you see the African ones dragging wildebeest and antelope into rivers and drowning them. It's, uh, yeah. Guy yeah. Plint, it's been a fascinating uh, look back into um, you know the the fauna of a uh, hundred million years ago in British Columbia. Thank you so much for your time and for sharing your research with us. Thank you so much for your interest.